Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. The year is 1957. A student has shown up with a piece of parchment with scribbles adding up to what we can only assume is a half-baked version of whichever Baron writes the worst. The perpetrator claims to have a legitimate reason for missing out on his schooling, which we find invalid. But what evidence do we have to debunk the hooligan? Perhaps his parents do suffer from hand tremors of earthquake proportions. Find out in our next radio episode of We Have No Idea How to Authenticate Signatures. Please help us faked podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This week, we're going to be talking about fake signatures, if you couldn't already tell, based off of that great skit we had already performed. So, um, as anything else that we talk about, we're going to be jumping back in time many, many years uh, for this one to kind of go over where signatures even came from, where the idea of signatures came from. We can get a better idea that way of what they mean, um, their history. And then we'll jump into uh, the fakery, the forgery, uh, what signatures uh, mean today, how important they are, what they're worth. So it comes down to that. Ideally, there's a lot of meaning and a lot of history and worth behind today's signatures. Um, And those are even old signatures that today's measures are very important signatures dating back thousands of years or hundreds usually of years not so much thousands I don't think a lot of those are surviving today but uh, so let's go let's go in let's talk about the history so signatures have been an important part of human creativity and identity for literally thousands of years and in modern day we can use them to do everything from sign receipts to authenticate documents, sign autographs and write birthday cards. So across the board, signatures are useful. And um for years that was your stamp on things, you know, there's not a digital footprint like we have today. So back then you needed something that isolated your work or a documentation from others. So how have signatures evolved throughout history? Okay, we're going to be looking back at the changing face of the signature from the distant past right through to today, present day. So let's talk about number one here. We're going to jump back to the ancient scribe days. Okay, some of the earliest known examples of the signature date back as far as 3000 BC. Cultures like the Sumerians and Egyptians began using a series of pictures and symbols or pictographs to convey meaning, much like emojis today. So a Sumerian clay tablet dating back to around 3100 BC has the markings of a scribe Gar Amma. One of the earliest definitive examples of using words and symbols to denote identity. So doesn't have exactly the same characteristics of a lot of signatures today since they're mostly poorly written, fluent uh, scribbles. But uh, back then, it was something to denote identity uh, with words and symbols. So we've obviously had some evolution since then. Let's jump into the Greek and Roman influence. So... Writing and language was an important part of both the Greek and Roman cultures. The 
Phoenician alphabet, which contained 22 consonants and zero vowels, was adopted by the Greeks around 1200 BC and within 600 years had evolved to the Latin alphabet we know today. Those Greeks always making progress. Romans were known to use signatures during the reign of Valentinian III, so Valentinian III, around 439 AD, but it wasn't until 1069 that a signature from a well-known figure appears in the history books, that of nobleman and military leader El Cid from medieval Spain. So it took that many years to get to where we, we actually know uh, it's very familiar with the signatures we know today. Took that long, but I mean, who's to blame them? It, I mean, you're creating an alphabet out of nothing from <laughs> uh, pictographs to evolve into the Phoenician alphabet, then evolve into the Latin alphabet. Takes some time, so that's impressive stuff. Okay, let's moving on. Uh, written into Parliament. Okay, it was the State of Frauds Act passed in the English Parliament in 1677 that made the signature that every day marker uh, that it is today. So the new law stated contracts must be signed, a measure that during its time was an effective guarantee against fraud. So we're, we're jumping into fraud now. Um, by the time John Hancock signed America's Declaration of Independence in 1676, the signature was a binding contract it used widely around the world. So now we're jumping into our very modern authentication process. So signatures hold a lot of meaning back in 1677. These were the footprint that established whether something was authentic or not. Um, we're talking... Acts, okay, acts that got put into play. These needed to be authenticated by a signature in order for them to be actually valid. So very important for that to come around, okay? So fast forwarding to the 1980s and technology was already rapidly changing the role of the signature. So the rise of the fax machine, I know that's kind of antiquated, meant more contracts were being scanned and sent electronically. And legislation in both the United States and United Kingdom changed to adopt this shift. More sophisticated technologies, such as the chip and pin system, replaced the traditional signature method for banking, helping to reduce fraud and protect personal security. Okay, so by 2000, U.S. President Bill Clinton had signed into law the E-Sign Act, validating electronic contracts and paving the way for e-signature technology in businesses around the world. Platforms like LegalSign use dig digital signatures to sign contracts and other documents, making it possible to send and sign contracts from anywhere and store them securely at every stage. So if you've ever bought a house... Um, me and my wife actually bought a house during, uh, well, I guess it was right before, uh, COVID had hit. So we did everything from our phone. We got to sign things. Uh, we got to validate things through our phone, just uh, as simple as an email. We didn't even have to meet with anybody, even for the title. So it was pretty crazy to see that, um, evolve even more so to where we don't even need to go somewhere in order to purchase a house which is crazy, especially when we're talking about looking back in 1600s where, you know, something needed to be so concrete. And that document has lasted 
till today. That's insane. So that's kind of a nice history run through of what a signature is and what it means to the general population and what it's mean. It's meant through history. That's important. I think it's very important to look at history and how we've changed so much since then. So let's jump into break here. And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a particular ring called the bullpen operation or Operation Bullpen. This was a very important operation um, to completely destroy a anti or a counterfeiting ring for signatures. So we're going to talk about that. Then we're going to go into talking about the intricacies of determining whether a signature is fake and how to do that in some easy steps. So I will see you guys here in a little bit. Thank you guys for coming to Siegfried Nietzsche Incorporated. We also like to call it uh, Signature for short. So what we will do today is we will be analyzing your signature uh, by looking at the placement, the size, the embellishments. Uh, We also will look at legibility, the content, what you are writing, and the I's and the T's. Also, the direction in which you uh, will be writing, uh, very important to it. So, also, round versus pointed, all these different things. Uh, Very creative versus artistic uh, or clever, you know. Maybe how much pressure you apply. Uh, These will also be a part of my services here at Signature Incorporated, for short. Remember, my name is Siegfried. So, first off, let's look at the uh, the placement. Where did you put on page? Oh, my. A leaf side? Well, I've never seen that before, so I don't know what to do with that information. Let's move on. We got size. Is it small? Is it big? Oh, is It is very small. It's very small. Uh means something i don't know this accent is total fake i don't know what i'm doing here this is shut it down all right we are back and things are gonna get a little crazy here we are going to go through the actual fbi documentation here of operation foul ball which then turned into operation bullpen As you can see, there's a theme there, and it is sports-related. So this is um, relying solely on fraudulence that came with the sports industry. So during the 1990s, the FBI identified a major problem threatening the entire sports and celebrity memorabilia market. In the mid-1990s, the Chicago division of the FBI initiated a sports memorabilia fraud investigation targeting a group of individuals who forged fraudulently authenticated and distributed Chicago athletes autographed memorabilia, including Michael Jordan. Um, So the case resulted in the conviction of 14 individuals in five states involved with forging and distributing forged memorabilia. Information developed by the Chicago's FBI's foul ball investigation suggested that the problem might be national in scope. So it started off Chicago, ended up seeing I think other people are taking advantage of this as well. So then it, you know, that's where the actual FBI um, in D.C. got into a national scope there. So the key evidence in uh, this investigation were recorded statements, which 
provided evidence of the individuals involving or involvement in foraging. So fraudulently authenticating and distributing the materials as well. So an operation bullpen referred to as phase one, the San Diego division of the FBI conducted well over 1000 consensual recorded audio and videotapes during the consensually recorded conversations, numerous co-conspirators made incriminating statements which illuminated the nature and common practices involved with sports memorabilia fraud. For example, one of the conspirators liked to joke to the undercover agent how Mickey Mantle still has one arm out of the grave signing autographs, um, which is kind of funny, but also uh, very indicting there. Other conspirators were nothing or noting how Wilt Chamberlain was still alive for signing weeks after his death. So not exactly the most morally uh, inclined individuals, but uh, that's I mean, that's obviously they're taking part in fraudulent activity. You know, they wouldn't be. So on April 11th, 2000, Operation Bullpen Phase One culminated with the charging of 26 individuals who were all convicted. During the last five years, Phase 2 expanded the investigation from predominantly Southern California to a nationwide investigation. During this phase, a multitude of undercover scenarios um, were instituted to focus on celebrity forgeries in addition to sports forgeries. In this phase, over 2,000 consensual recordings were made. Conspirators bragged how their forgeries were better than those of other forgers that they knew. One conspirator claimed if it went to trouble or trial, he would testify. He would actually become Babe Ruth. He then joked he could also say he became Jackie Robinson and then said he would turn black, which you should note he was a Caucasian for the jury. A total of 18 searches were conducted in 12 states, resulting in 36 additional convictions. All searches were executed after September 11, 2001. Additionally, although 13 forgery rings, compared to five in phase one, were dismantled, this was investigated with approximately one-fifth of the manpower. The tremendous increase in the efficiency of the investigation was attained from the assistance received from the industry and the use of cooperating subjects slash witnesses from phase one. Two counterfeiting card rings were also dismantled during this. The card portion of the industry is relatively unencumbered by the fraud. These two rings are considered anomalies. As a result of the attention brought out by Operation Bullpen, advances have been made within the sports industry to combat forged signatures and the fraudulent sales of items as game used, which is just any amount of clothing or shoes that were used in game that really doesn't have any proof behind it, just like maybe some wear and tear or dirt. Major League Baseball unveiled their own memorabilia authentication program in conjunction with the culmination of Phase 1. Their program is similar to what companies use, such as Upper Deck, Mountain Memories, Steiner Sports, TriStar, and several others have in place. Essentially, each piece of memorabilia is witnessed by a person who places a uniquely numbered hologram on each item which is tracked in the database. These methods have never been pierced by foragers, so that's pretty solid for them to come up with something that um, has not been able to be foiled um, by foragers today, so that's cool. So the... Adoption of witness 
authenticated programs by other sports leagues, which surely help to counteract fraud. In the non-sports marketplace, these programs are almost non-existent. Phase two concentrated on the celebrity marketplace, since it's significantly more inundated with forgeries than the sports world. Um, there's much more fraudulent running rampant with celebrities, because obviously there's more celebrities than there is sports celebrities. So, essentially, celebrity actors and um, actresses do not conduct paid signings like athletes do. Obtaining a signed picture or poster of a prominent Hollywood celebrity is through chance meetings, typically. So, a lot more rare, less of them out there. Phase two was also an investigation into cyberspace. The industry as a whole has moved in the direction where individual collectors can now easily sell pieces. The forgers, unfortunately, led the way realizing the anonymity that the internet provided for dealing these uh, forgeries. So phase two convicted the largest seller in the world of signed celebrity photos. Truly unique collectibles is what the uh, company was called, who mostly sold through their website. Uh, Phase two also convicted numerous internet auction site sellers who generated millions of dollars in sales. The subjects convicted in uh, the investigation had all used the storyline that their celebrity signed pictures and posters were obtained by runners. Runners are people who happen to catch a celebrity at an event and obtain a signed picture there. Uh, Kind of like a a autograph lackey, I suppose. Uh, Although these stories were mostly fake. um, Most of the convicted subjects obtained one or two signatures in this manner. So, the original one would be, you know, fine to obtain. And then uh, they would just forge many more off of that, claiming they, they were all from that meeting. So all the convicted subjects noted that it, it, it was impossible to make a living as a runner. The amount of time needed to get the couple of signatures a person needs does not generate an adequate income. The overwhelming number of celebrity signed photographs and posters being sold throughout the world are sold under this pretense. This investigation would suggest that they are almost all forged. Although Operation Bullpen has highlighted the fraud problem within the industry, additional education of the public will help eliminate the crime. And that's what, you know, here at Faked, this is what we want to do. So almost all of the companies performing witness slash hologram signings are for athletes. Hopefully these entities will participate in and demand these authentication programs. Educating the public might also increase, increase, create increased pressure from the consumers for the development and expansion of authentication programs. Phase three of Operation Bullpen marks the sharing of this forged sports equipment and memorabilia with the San Diego community. From the inception of this investigation, it was the goal to provide local children's charities and crime victim agencies with these materials so they would ultimately be put to good, honest use. So that... In a, uh, a nutshell, is Operation Bullpen. So, went on for, it seems like a decade uh, or so, getting through all of this stuff. And there's been a lot of companies blacklisted because of this. And you can actually go on the FBI website to check those out. So, if you are trying to find something and it does, uh, it is authenticated by one of those companies, chances are they're fake and they are going to always be treated as so. So next up, we are going to jump in and kind of look at how, what are some factors on how you can tell whether something is fake or not when it comes to a signature 
what are some telltales? So here's some cautionaries. Um, Beware stamped signatures. Fake autographs are often mechanically reproduced. Run your thumb over the signature, particularly its outline. If it's flat, then the autograph is likely to be a facsimile. Uh, Alternatively, if you can feel the texture of the ink on top of the page, you know it has been added afterwards. But be wary, even this could be a fraud. Uh, when we look at auto pens and things like that. So also bear in mind that the technique won't work on fabric items like uh, sports shirts, which absorb the ink without leaving a raised layer. So another method is to pull out your magnifying glass. I know you've got one because you're a 1920s private eye detector. And look for visual clues. So look closely at the ink. With stamped on signatures, all the ink is applied at the same time and squeezed to the edges of the rubber. So ink can tell you a lot about an autograph. Through a magnifying glass, you will be able to see more ink on the edges of the line than in the middle. Another thing to spot is that autographs printed by machines may have an unnaturally smooth effect. So hold it up to the light and kind of check it out. If it's all flat, probably not real. So if the signature's ink seems too light or has apparently had equal pressure applied throughout it, then it's likely a fake. Hold the autograph up to a light source if it glows a shaded purple color, then it has almost certainly been stamped. So that's an interesting one, too, um, is to hold it up and see if there's um, almost something like uh, oil spills where you see the, uh, the, the vibrant colors through it. So if it has some sort of a purple color to it, then it's probably been stamped. Um, another trick is to get the celebrity to sign a negative of the photo and then reproduce it. If the color of the signature is silver on the photo, then this is likely to have happened. So that's kind of interesting. Um, we just want to avoid auto pens all altogether. Um, they do not have the legitimacy of a real signature. Um, they can be sold at the same price, but an auto pen is in an actual mechanical, kind of like a robot that will emulate somebody's signature and just pump out signatures after signatures after signatures and sell, 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 sell. If a name is, vis- is signed with a pen, the nib will cut through wet ink to produce tunnels and bridges visible through a magnifying glass. That's a really interesting thing when you're looking at signatures is how the ink cuts through each other once applied back on itself. It's very interesting stuff. So, however, autographs can be duplicated with an auto pen. A machine which uses a mechanical arm to drag a pen along a plastic or metal signature template or matrix, okay? So in the wake of President Kennedy's death, Jackie Kennedy relied on auto pens to sign her responses to the thousands of condolences letters she received. Um, So you can look those up. Uh, You can definitely tell the difference between an auto pen and not uh, just because of this. It is uniform as can be. I mean, that's it's programmed to be uniform. So, the uniformity that's going to show you is an auto pen. If there are slight inconsistencies, it's not going to be a auto pen there. When you write your own name, you sign it one continuous movement. Also, the pen is moving before you start writing as you move it towards the page. The auto pen, on the other hand, comes down with a dot and ends abruptly with another dot. This can be seen through a magnifying lens. So you can actually look at uh, a sure tell sign um, of the dot at the beginning and the dot at the end. If the signature appears unnaturally shaky, this can be due to vibrations in the auto pen machine. 
Also look out for machine-like straight lines, especially if these lines are interrupted by accidental robotic wobbles, which can reveal where the auto pen maybe had slipped. Um, Another thing to consider is, did the secretary do it? I know that sounds like a crime novel, but Walt Disney and JFK are among the elite who relied on their secretaries to sign for them. So some secretaries were pros at signing their boss's name. Um, I'm going to put something up on Facebook here um, that will tell the difference between JFK's secretary, one, secretary two, and secretary three's attempts to imitate a signature um, in order to spot a genuine one. Kind of interesting stuff. But, uh, you know, these these people weren't always available, so they had their secretaries kind of take some of the action there. So another key when looking at a signature is to turn it upside down. Another method to spot freehand fakes is to compare it alongside a known genuine genuine example. The best way to compare a signature is to turn it upside down. This way, your mind isn't reading it and can look objectively for telltale signs and slight differences between the two, which can reveal it is a fake. So basically, you're, you're turning it up around, upside down so it looks like a drawing rather than an actual signature, so there's no wording with it. Okay, It's a very interesting process, but apparently it works. Also, the more signatures that are on a piece, the more mistakes there are to spot. Put a sports shirt with 10 fake team signatures against a sports shirt with 10 real ones, and it is super easy to spot the fake. Often, the fakes will have been written by one person. They will be the same height, evenly spaced, and sometimes uh, the same way up. Be there when it is signed. That's obviously um, one of the biggest things. Uh, If you're present, obviously you've got the authenticity on your side there. So when writing to a celebrity for their autographs, don't assume that they are going to sign it themselves. In many cases, an assistant will do it for them. The best way to avoid this phenomenon, alas, is to be there yourself to witness the person signing it. Okay? And then think about the numbers, okay? A forger can knock out 30 or 40 fake David Beckham autographs in a couple of hours, but Beckham himself would never sign that many himself. In fact, he will likely sign no more than one at a time for fear that, you know, they will be sold on, you know, insert whatever online commerce here. As a result, genuine dealers probably won't have more than one Beckham signed signature a month in their stock. Also remember that footballers and other figures will often dedicate an autograph to an individual. So that is is only of use to the named person. Okay, Think about how, when, and why it was signed. If an autograph dated pre-1960s is, is signed in a felt pen, then it's fake because pre-60s they didn't have felt pen. Felt pens didn't exist before the 1960s and it shouldn't be signed and it should be signed in ink. So just knowing the mediums, knowing the paper, knowing what's up, okay? History will always prove itself, okay? Also, check to see if the photography is glossy. Glossy photographs have been um, have only been available in recent years. So that's also another medium you need to consider and look at. So ask yourself, would the person really have signed this? For instance, if you were the president of the United States, why would you sign an index card or a balloon or you know something like that? You gotta you gotta think about um, the hierarchy there. You have to consider what they would and wouldn't sign. They're not gonna you know sign something crappy because they know that their autograph holds 
worth. Okay, there are tens of thousands of appointment or discharge certificates for military service. Examples of paper currency, postmaster appointments, and land grants signed after the 1930s, which purport to be genuine, but are not. Because like JFK relying on his secretaries, no U.S. president of official would have had the time to sign all of those. Okay. So go to a reliable authentication site, a source. So don't be discouraged. There are examples of the above documents, which are genuine, but it is a good idea to seek professional advice and to make sure that you do so from a trusted and reputable source. Authentication services have been reliable in the past, but have come under fire in recent years. The PSA slash DNA and UACC, for example, have each been held up for misidentifying fake signatures as genuine. Also, don't automatically trust a seller if they cite the the UACC membership or a uh, COA. UACC membership can be bought and COA documentation has can be faked literally by anybody with a computer. And then how can you know who to trust? A business you can trust should offer a lifetime guarantee because or beware of private auctions or any request for privacy by the seller. This is often a ploy to hide the sale. Really, there's no legitimate reason for a seller to ask for privacy in their dealings with you. They should be proud of it. They should be proud of passing this genuine object along. A reputable, a reputable seller will be able to guarantee the provenance of the signatures they sell which with supporting documentation. Okay. So one last thing is, if an autograph looks like, looks like too much of a bargain to be real, then it probably isn't real. And you know that's what we're always quoting here. It faked. If it looks too good to be true, you bet your sweet bippy it is. It is definitely too good to be true. That follows uh, the mark throughout uh, history and time. So guys, that I'm going to sum this one up. Um, this was a longer one than expected, but it was a fun one. I think... Um, Fake signatures, uh, very important, um, can definitely, you know, put you down. Absolutely. Um, uh, I mean, it could put you back thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's, it's one of those things that can run rampant and devalues the whole system itself. So guys, remember with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them, and those that listen to this podcast. I'll see you guys in the next episode. Bye.